of sharing. Uh, children's church can be uh, dismissed uh, for ages uh, fifth grade and younger. <clears throat> and uh, happy National Back to Church Sunday. It's on the calendar like every year. It's crazy. Uh, we should stay in the church. That's just my uh, two cents. <laughs> um, but uh, happy Back to Church Sunday. Uh, hey, l- let's talk about Wednesday nights. Uh, Joy's here. Uh, do you know anything? You are cooking. All right. So I'm sure it's going to be something delicious. And uh, so make sure you sign up out here at the uh, desk. And um, man, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, right? Yeah, that, that's great. Hey, uh, have you had a good week? So, so, so some heads are shaking no. Uh, some are giving me a thumbs up. So that, that's good. Hey, let me tell you about my week. Um, so uh, I, I got my first dental crown, permanent crown this week, which I'm still recovering from, by the way. Um, but it's been a great week. I turned 41 this past Tuesday. Um, so, so that's good, uh, 41. And then uh, my brother and his wife, Amanda, um, they, they had our nephew on Wednesday. And uh, so we're, it's been a great week. So, but yeah, still pray for my mouth. It, it needs it. Um, it's a lot better, but um, yeah, I still need it. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, we're starting a new series today. And uh, we are going to be in Luke chapter 15. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and turn to that, I'll be good. And as you're doing that, let me ask you the question, have you ever lost something that's important to you? Have you lost something that's important to you? How about your keys? Who has lost or misplaced your keys this past week? Is anybody so bad with losing your keys or something that you have one of those tile devices? You know what I'm talking about? It's a thing called tile um, that puts a tracker on your keys or whatever, okay? And you could always go into the app and, uh, hey, where, where did I leave my keys? And it will tell you where, you, uh, where your keys are. Um, I always thought that was a cool idea. Uh, I've never done it before. Um, sometimes I wish I would have. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, how about your wallet? Have you ever lost your wallet? Uh, and and you lost your wallet to the point that you went and canceled all the credit cards and debit card and all that kind of stuff only to find the card or your wallet, um, you know, the next day or or something. Uh, has that happened to you before? Um, I won't ask you to raise your hand. Um, so, uh, how about your phone, your cell phone? Have you lost it? You know, I, I don't know what kind of phones y'all have personally. I, I mean, I have a pretty good idea because uh, if your text to me show up in green, I, I know that you have an Android phone. If, if they show up to me in blue, uh, that means you have an iPhone. Okay, I'm, I'm team Apple, team iPhone. Uh, I know there's a war going on, but anyway, they both have pros and cons. But um, But Apple... I will say that Apple has a, has a thing which I think is pretty cool too where you can log on to 
like any website or, or you can go to Apple and it's got a thing where you can go to find my phone and you can find out where your phone is. You know, if someone stole it or you lost it or what have you. Um, so that's always good. Um, but uh, there might be other things that we lose. Does anybody have an example of something that you lose or misplace? Anybody? Aaron? Uh, glasses. How many of you lose your glasses? Like ring glasses or prescription glasses or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that, that's another one. Do we have one more, one more thing that we misplace? Your notebook. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it, it happens. It happens. Um, but uh, yeah, all these things are things that uh, we misplace. But hey, a lot of you are parents. Um, have you ever misplaced your child? Um, like, like, even for a split second, have you misplaced your child? Uh, for example, and I hope this does not bring up any PTSD or, or anything like that, but, um, but, you know, you might be in a, a crowded shopping mall, uh, your little boy uh, slips his hand out of yours and runs to the toy store or runs to GameStop, um, and the crowd suddenly, it seems like it just dwells. And in that moment, you have lost sight of your son. He's gone. He's lost in the midst of the crowd. Uh, do you remember that empty, that sick feeling that is in the pit of your stomach when something or when that occurrence happens? Adrenaline begins to flow. You're scurried into action. You frantically search to try to find your lost child. But can you remember the relief, the sheer joy when you found him? Your plans to scold him for leaving your side were, were just washed away with the joyous tears that flowed down your face. And misplacing a child can send a parent into panic. Losing a child in a situation like that is devastating. You know, according to the FBI, uh, FBI report from back in 2011, 12 years ago, that report says a child goes missing every 40 seconds in our country. 40 seconds. I hope that number or that statistic has improved. I mean, we're 12 years later, but I have a feeling it might be less than that now. That report also said that approximately 460,000 children are reported missing every year. But here's a cool thing. The recovery rate for those kids is 97%. But it's still sad that there's 3% that stay missing. When a parent misplaces or loses a child, it's heartbreaking. And uh, like we've talked about, I think some of you have been there before, um, you know, years ago. But, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't have the same emotion, though, about losing some money or maybe the pair of glasses 
that we talked about a little while ago. So why do I bring all this up this morning? Uh, you, you can say that God has lost something too. He created man in order to have a relationship with us. His design was that we would all have connection with him. But as we know, sin entered the picture, and it separated us from God. So in a sense, we, as human beings, we became lost. We walked away from God. God's priority is to find that which is lost. God wants to recover his children who have been lost. And God's way of doing that is through those who have already been found. But the problem is that sometimes those of us who have discovered God's love and his forgiveness already, that we don't take seriously the need to be involved in that process. We think it's the job of the church staff the elders or the leadership of the church or someone who spent four plus years out of Bible college and has a theological degree and how they, those people I just mentioned, are the people that should be going after the lost and it's those people only. Many people don't feel qualified They might tell themselves, what if the person asks a question that I simply cannot answer? People also think that they don't have the time. You know, I led a small group of a bunch of high school boys, um, and I believe it was back in the spring, uh, 7 o'clock in the morning at a Chick-fil-A over in Greenville. And uh, I asked them the question, what is more valuable, time or money? It's time because you can't get it back. Um, But a lot of people, like in this situation, you know, they say they don't have the time. They're too busy. Um, And, and, you know, maybe their response is, I don't want to take the time to get into Bible studies with other people. And two, we're possibly afraid of rejection or the kickback that we'll get for trying to talk to someone about Christ about Jesus. You know, our culture today is not very friendly to Christians who want to openly talk about their faith, their religion, about church events even. But what if our daily routines could be used by God to change the world? Our daily routines... What if, you know, think about that. Things that we do every single day. What if those things could be used by God to lead others closer to him and to simply change the world? Bless, you see it up on the screen, is a series about five everyday ways to love your neighbor and to change the world. Uh, Dave and John Ferguson, two brothers, they wrote a book with the same name. And there are brothers, like I said, and there were both pastors at the Community Christian Church up in Chicago. Lisa, 
our, our native Chicagoan. Is that a word, Chicagoan? Okay, awesome. I'll pat myself on the back for that one. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I would recommend going online and purchasing this book. Uh, you know, Amazon's definitely got it, the Audible and the, the paperback version. Here it is right here. Boom, and you see a picture of it behind me. Um, but uh, I would highly recommend ordering this book. I mean, you can come the next five Sundays, and you can see what every one of these letters and bless stands for. But uh, it'll be good to order this book and, you know, read it and think about it on a daily basis. <clears throat> but through this book, it's a simple way to remember that each of us has the ability to influence those that we come in contact with. So, like I said, each letter in the word bless is a reminder of a way to love and bless the world around us, the people, like I said, that we come in contact with. By just living our life in a way to bless people, we can help recover them and the world itself for God. This morning, I want to introduce the idea that God cares about the lost, and he wants us to help him recover what he has lost. The Bible is clear about this truth from beginning to end, cover to cover. Scripture tells us about God's efforts to create a relationship between himself and his best creation, which is us people. You know, Christ, Jesus spoke about this often. Luke recorded three, say three, parables that Jesus told that teach that, uh, this very truth. Three parables that teach this very truth. This morning, I want us to revisit those parables so that we can be reminded of how much God wants to save or rescue those who are lost. As we think about this parable, we are reminded that it was prompted by an accusation. The religious leaders at the time, they didn't like the idea that Jesus was interacting and talking with the local sinners there in the villages and the places that Jesus would go. To them, being a religious leader meant that you were just holier than thou. You were wearing the fancy robes. You had a nice beard, probably. But uh, no good religious leader would be caught dead spending time with those people. So knowing what they were muttering, you know, amongst themselves or in, in, under their breath even, Jesus shared or told the three parables that we're going to be looking at today. So like I said, uh, to start off with, we're going to be in Luke 15, and uh, let's look at this first parable this morning, starting in verse 4. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. 
I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven, Jesus says, over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus used culture, something that they were familiar with, to prove a point there. He used the shepherd's relationship with his sheep to illustrate God's desire to find those who are lost in sin. You know, those of us who love animals, if you love animals, raise your hand. And keep your hands up if you currently have pets. Okay. Um, But those of us who love animals will tell those who don't that you can love an animal almost as much as you can a child. Am I right? Uh, You would even put yourself at risk to save your dog or your cat or whatever kind of animal you have. I I got friends that have lizards as pets. That wouldn't be me. Um, But uh, anyway. But uh, but I've seen videos of people trying to chase away predatory animals like um, mountain mountain lions or bears or big game, uh, you know, to try to save their dog or try to save their cat or whatever pet they have. A shepherd in the parable leaves his 99 sheep in the field to find the one that he had lost. It wasn't just a financial decision, although that probably would have factored in, but he made an investment in that sheep. And, you know, but more than that, he cared about that sheep. He wanted to find the one. Uh, you know, I, I struggle a little bit with OCD. Um, and if I'm supposed to have 100, I'm supposed to have 100. And not 99. I mean, who? some people will be like, who cares about that one? I still have 99. That is not me. Okay? And it's not God either. Okay? Uh, we we want to go to try to find that lost one. But, you know, this shepherd, he was so overjoyed when he finally found that lost sheep. He was so overjoyed that he decided to throw a party to celebrate because he was like, oh, man, guess what? Man, sometimes I think about what if, back in biblical times, what if they had phones? Man. I, like, a little side note here. Sorry, Miss Karen. Um, but uh, what of the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary of all time? What if he had a phone? I think about stuff like that. Anyway, um, let's get back to it. <laughs> but, um, but he threw a party. He threw a party to celebrate finding that lost sheep. Jesus used this story to illustrate God's feelings, his father's feelings. He and the angels of heaven rejoice when a lost sinner comes to repentance. God doesn't just give up on the sinner. He goes out in search of the sinner. He puts out an all-points bulletin to his servants, telling us, you and I, to look for the sheep that is missing. So that's one parable. 
out of the three. The next one is about finding something lost as well. Uh, so let's take a look at it again in, verse, or in chapter 15, starting in verse 8. This is the second parable. Jesus says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins, and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, and she says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In this particular parable, a poor woman loses one of her ten coins. Like 10% of her income is missing. You can sense her panic as she searches her house. It's like, where is it? She's probably flipping over furniture. And like Jesus says, she's sweeping. She, she lights that lamp. And she's going crazy until she can find that one lost coin. But she too, she found it. And she throws a party because she found her 10%, her lost coin. And Jesus said, in essence, this is how God feels when a lost sinner comes to him in repentance. So, both of these parables, the lost sheep and a lost coin, certainly would have enough to reveal how God eagerly searches for those who are lost in sin. But the final parable, number three, reveals the heart of God as father, as dad. This is the parable of the lost son. But it could also be called the parable of the eager father, the, the eager dad. You know, this is probably the most famous parable that Jesus ever spoke of or talked about or shared. And as we read this parable, this third parable today, I want you to read it through the eyes of the dad, of the father himself. So looking at verses 11 and 12, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he provided his property between them. From the father's perspective, we don't see the father try to stop the son from going and getting his inheritance. We don't see that. You know, the father allowed his son to go and, and figure things out on his own. He gave him what he was asking for. And it wasn't long before the son began to learn some of life's tough lessons that this earthly life can throw at you. Taking a look at verse 13 through the first part of verse 20. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set, up, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a, a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to, field, uh, to feed pigs. 
he, he longed to fill his stomach, this is gross, man, with, with the pods that the pigs themselves were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, the son said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. You know, the son figured it out, at least in part. His logic told him that he wasn't worthy of being called his father's son anymore. He said he would desperately like to be even called one of the servants, one of the hired servants, because he would be better, it would be better than starving to death because he knew that the servants were taken care of. So this guy, he eventually went home. He headed home ready for rejection, but hoping to at least have a place over his head and food in his belly. And this is the best part of the story that we don't need to miss uh, when we look at the last part of verse 20 through verse 24. It says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. It says, He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So Jesus says they began to celebrate because the son came home. The father reacted in a way that shot the prodigal son and also his older brother. Instead of treating the boy like a servant, he welcomed him home, throwing his arms around him, kissed him, and threw a party for him at his house simply because he came back. The part that always gets me in this last part that we just read. Uh, Robin, can, can you go back to verse 20? Um, yeah, right there. Thank you. Um, that uh, while, and this is the best part, and you can read it behind me. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to his What? son. The father had every right to make the son cringe or fall at his knees. He had every right to reject his son's request. He had every right to send him away with nothing. But he was a father that loved his child, that loved his son. His son was was like dead to him, but now he was alive once again. And as a parent, can you imagine 
what that would feel like if your son or daughter came to you and said, hey, go ahead and give me my inheritance. I know you're not dead yet, <laughs> but give it to me now. And they go off, they spend it, they make fools out of themselves. But they come home and you could see them as a parent in the distance. Can you imagine the feeling that you would have? You know, the total joy and relief is notable there. You know, a lot of you know that uh, I was doing youth ministry or student ministry for middle school and high school students over at Christ Church in the Winterville, Greenville area uh, the last nine years. Um, and at that church, there's a woman named Rosie Grinder. She's not a student, by the way. Uh, Rosie is in her 70s. <laughs> Um, but she did have a couple of grandchildren go through the youth ministry during our time. But Rosie grew up in Germany during World War II. And uh, before she was born, Rosie that is, her, her older brother went off to war and fought on the Russian front. The family got a notification that, that her brother had died and her mother grieved the loss of her son. When Rosie was a young teenager, her mother would try to help the people in the community by making bread. She would offer the bread to the homeless and also to the rich folks there. You know, people, they often came to the door just simply asking for bread. So Rosie remembered that one day a man in very shabby clothes came to their door and asked for her mother. She told the man to wait there, and she went upstairs to let her mom know that a man was, was there and that the man needed to see her. This man was also requesting help. So her mother went down to the front door and Rosie went about doing her own business, doing, you know, doing something else, but she recalls the sound of hearing something falling. She went and she looked and she saw her mom passed out on the floor. She rushed to her side where she saw her mom passed out, blacked out. Rosie thought the man had done something to her and she called for the police to come to their house. The neighbors even came. And the police came, and they put a, a warm washcloth on her face, Rosie's mother's face. When she came to Rosie's mom, she kept saying, Norbert, Norbert. Rosie knew Norbert was the brother's name. And she also knew that her brother was dead. When they revived her mom, Rosie learned what had happened. The man at the door was Rosie's long-lost, thought-to-be-dead brother. But he wasn't dead. He had been in a Russian prison camp all of those years. And like I said, Rosie at the time was a teenager. He had escaped from the camp, and he walked 
home. The entire neighborhood came out for a party that her mother threw, and the whole community was out in the street dancing and celebrating. Can you imagine how Rosie's mom must have felt in this situation? Friends, we we need to listen to the heart of God. He is clearly telling us that people matter to him, every single person, not just one race, not just one culture, not just one people group, not just those that have money, but all people belong to God. He is clearly telling us that if someone is lost, he has not given up on them. And he is clearly communicating that the biggest celebrations in the kingdom of heaven are when one who has been far from God simply becomes his child and comes home. And that person is no longer lost. You know, there is a, a bit in the prodigal son's story about the older brother and the jealousy that the older brother had. The older brother represented the religious leaders who didn't want those sinners to come to God. And they were not willing to lift a finger to bring those lost people to God and to have a relationship with him. Remember where the conversation started. The religious leaders were complaining about Jesus talking with and interacting with sinners. The older brother complained that a party was happening for his younger, wayward brother who didn't deserve it. But what did the father say to him? Let's look at verse 32 in the same chapter. This is what it says. But we had to celebrate, the father says, and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and he is found. Man, Jesus and his stories. He's simply telling us that he loves us. His father, God, loves us. He loves you and I. And even when we are gone, when we walk away, when we are in the dark, guess what? God loves us, and he's not going to stop. (laughs) And those he loves, God wants to rescue You know, today as we close, y'all remember hymns, songs? Like, hymns are great. I'm going to talk about one here. Um, This this particular hymn was, was written in the year 1869. It's a song by Fanny Crosby entitled Rescue the Perishing. Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't, but think about the words, the lyrics of this particular hymn. They're going to be up here on the screen. Verse 1 reads, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin sin and the grave. Watch over the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. The refrain for the entire song, it reads this. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, 
Jesus will save. Verse 2, though they are slighting him, still he is waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with them earnestly, plead with them gently. He will forgive if they only believe. Verse 3, down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, chords that were broken will vibrate once more. And finally, verse 4 reads this, rescue the perishing, duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer a Savior has died. Isn't that something? This song, this old hymn, is as true today in the year 2023 as it was in the year 1869. And the words were true, too, when Jesus told that parable, that third parable, to the religious leaders. There are souls who are lost. There are souls that need to be saved. Every one of us were at one time listed in that number, the lost number. Someone came to us and shared the love of Jesus with us. You know, I remember besides my parents, it was the words of Mark Woolard Jr. It was the words of some of you, actually. It was the words after a week of camp down at Ronan Christian Camp in Washington that led me to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm forever grateful for all of those words. And and let me encourage you to come back next week. This is just an intro to this sermon, this series. But let me invite you to come back next week to see what God wants you and I to do. There's five different things that we can do, everyday things that we can do that God wants us to do to change the world and lead the lost back to God. So right now, What you need to know is that God loves you more than anyone on earth can ever love you. I know that God loves me more than my wife Erin loves me, more than my parents love me, more than my brother loves me. But I can also say that God loves them more than I can. God has done more to save them, more than what I can do to save them. God loves my friends more than I could ever hope to love my friends. But the cool thing is, God invites me to join him as he finds those that are lost. That's the cool thing about the whole process. He invites you to join him as we search for the lost. You know, today you you may think that God has given up on you. You may think that God doesn't care about you. You may think that your sin is too much even for Jesus to cover. It's like, man, I know what I've done. Jesus, he's probably laughing and looking the other way. That's a lie. 
You may think or you may buy into the thought that you have sinned so badly that the only way God would take you back is if you are less than his child. That humble spirit is needed in order for you to repent if you think that way. But you need to get this. When you come home to God, he wasn't waiting to crush you. He, he isn't waiting to crush you or ridicule you, you or, or cast you into some kind of dungeon. That is not God at all. And I hope through these parables today you have found that out. God is ready to, to run to you, just like that father, to kiss you, to wrap his arms around you and throw a party in celebration. Hey, speaking of which, another sidetrack. Sometimes my brain does that. You like Christmas movies? Okay, so no judgment. My wife and I, as we're putting pictures and stuff up on our wall, I turned on Christmas with the cranks, which is based on the skipping uh, Christmas book. Okay. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, she plays Nora. Frank in this movie, but, um, you know, they want to take a cruise and skip Christmas, but uh, because their daughter is in the Peace Corps and will not be at home, will not be at home for Christmas that year, but then they get that phone call that she is coming home for Christmas, and uh, so they have it decorated their house, they have it, uh, they're not going to have the big party on Christmas Eve at the, at the um, Frank house or crank house, um, but something that we like to joke about, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, the actress, like, in that role, she's like, oh, the party, um, so every time I see that word, I think about that, um, so anyway, but hey, God is going to have a party uh, for, for every single lost person that comes to him, that comes to have a relationship with his son. God has never stopped loving you or wanting you to come home. If you don't know Jesus or have never asked him to be your personal Lord and Savior or ever repented of the sin that has separated you from him or even been baptized into Christ, I've got some good news for you. It's actually great news. You can make that decision today. I want you to pray in your hearts. I want you to think about this. You know, I'm, I'm about to pray out loud, but during this prayer, allow God to move in you. Let's pray, and also as the worship team comes up. Father God, thank you for your matchless love. Thank you, God, that you don't hate us for walking away from you. Thank you that you are waiting, that you are loving. You are ready for us, God, to come home. There is someone here today that needs to decide to come home. They are holding back for some reason. You know, maybe it's pride. Maybe they just want to hold on to the sin in their life that has separated them from you. Maybe they believe the lies of the enemy, lies such as, you are no good, you are worthless, 
God doesn't want you. Your sin is so bad that Jesus' blood can't even cleanse you. God, there's a lot of people that believe in those lies. But may your spirit speak to them, to all of those folks. Like I said, maybe even in this room right now. Move them. Move in their hearts. Help them to see your pure love. And help them to respond to that love. God, help us. Help all of us who have come to you, who already have a relationship with you, recognize that there are still those that are lost, that need to be saved. Help us to care about what you have lost. Open our eyes and open our ears to those who are spiritually blind. Help us to know your heart, Father, and to realize that you want to use us to reach those in our sphere of influence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what is your heart telling you this morning, right now? Have you made a decision? And if so, I invite you to come forward this morning as we sing this last song. So let's stand and, uh, and let's sing to our Father.